0: Thanks, Jim. Hello? Good morning. Good, morning, good morning. Came across something a while back I want to show to you. I'll, I'll share it with you. There's a, there was a family and their neighbors. Um, they noticed something on their neighbor's lawn. The little boy, the grade three boy who lived uh, next door, had put up a sign, a very homemade sign, as you can see, that he was going to be doing a piano concert. So he wanted people to come out, you know, much like a lemonade stand, you know, it's kind of cute. Oh, you know, people will kind of come along by, you know, two, three people might come check that out. Well, their neighbors thought, wouldn't it be cool if we got this up on social media and like a ton of people came? Like, wouldn't it be great if like we treated this like it was the greatest concert coming to the city? And uh, so that's what happened. So uh, you'll see that <laughs> unbeknownst to this little guy, like the neighborhood came in the rain with umbrellas like by hundreds and uh, the boy and his friends had planned that they would give out oreo cookies at the break so i'm sure one of the parents was uh, going out and buying many many more because you'll see there that they started handing out cookies at the break and put on this little concert for them these concert goers brought homemade signs that said things like dylan rocks and they were cheering to him probably playing that song that goes, or whatever, so, <laughs> just awesome. When you see that, if you're anything like me, and if you have a heart, uh, you will think that that's just right, <laughs> Just so good, that that uh, life is better in community. There's something about that that is wonderful. In fact, we were made to live in community And so it should be no surprise that Jesus designed the church to be a community, an intentional community, a community on mission together for Jesus. So um, we're going to continue our series called Belonging and talk this morning about what it means to belong to a local church. Um, And so we're going to do something a little uh, different for us. Typically we root ourselves in one particular text and look at a few verses, look at it contextually, see what it's saying in light of where it sits in the scriptures, um, exposit that text, really look at what the author's intent was with it, and then we bring application from those few verses. But we're stepping back um, this morning and looking more broadly at the question of why belong to a local church You know, why be a member or what we call ministry partner in a church? And when we ask a question about what the Bible says generally about something like that, now we're getting into something called systematic theology or or biblical theology. is asking a bigger question of the Bible and saying, what are we to do? So that's where we're going this morning. So we're going to use about 15 texts of scripture this morning. Um, But they're all going to be on the screen in the ESV translation. You're welcome to thumb through them in your own Bible as well, but we just thought because we're moving swiftly that we'd do that for you. So as we look at something like belonging to a local church, um, you may um, have some questions kind of coming up in your mind about that, some thoughts on that, what it means to belong to a local church and if belonging is necessary um, Here's some questions that I've heard and some questions that over my years I've asked of, uh, myself. Um, so let's just work through some of the questions first. question I often hear is, does the Bible even mention church membership? Isn't ministry partnership an unbiblical, man-made, additional hoop? I don't see it. Why, are, why would you want us to become ministry partners in your church? It doesn't seem biblical, is it? Because I want to be faithful to the Bible, and one of the great things about the MB tradition, Mennonite brethren, we're of the Anabaptist tradition, and one, something that's been said of us uh, historically that has always been the case, is that the Anabaptists, Mennonites, are people of the book. I love that heritage. People of the book. What does the Bible say? Because we want to be faithful to the Bible. So what does the Bible say? It's a great question. We always need... To look at things that way. Other questions that come to mind are why join a local church when I'm already a member of the universal church? See, if you give your life to Jesus, you become a member of the universal church. For what is the universal church? Well, it's Christians everywhere are the universal church. So a question that comes up sometimes is I'm already a part of that. Why become a part of, why do I have to be a part, committed part of a local church? Sometimes the questions are more personal. Than that. Why would I risk being hurt? Is committing to a local group of Christians worth the potential pain and strife? And in our age of skepticism, when it comes to leadership or something being required, we ask questions of what are they after? Or just simply, can I just attend a local church? is belonging essential these are these are a lot of questions and they often lead to a lot of reasons not to belong to a local church well what if there are though great reasons what if there are in fact better reasons to belong to a local church it is our conviction that there are more compelling cultural Personal and practical reasons to belong to a local church than not to. But more than anything, there are strong biblical reasons for it. It is a foundational element of every obedient Christian life. So if you have an outline and you want to jot them down, I'm going to give all five to you now. And uh, I'll be honest, I, I, I really truly did limit it to five. This, this week, there are so many reasons to belong to a local church, but I'm committed to getting you home by dinner. So I'm only giving you five. OK, so here's five, amongst many others, reasons to belong to a local church. First, for the good of biblical faithfulness, for the good of biblical faithfulness. Secondly, for the good of others in the church. Thirdly, for your own good. Now, oftentimes when we ask the question about belonging to a local church, we're thinking, like, why would I do that? What's in it for me? The questions are centered around the universe of self. I put it in number three for good reason. It's in there. There's good reason for yourself, but it's not the only reason. It's one of many good reasons. But it is for your own good to belong to a local church. Fourth, for the good of your leaders. And fifth, for the good of others outside of the church. It's good for those in the church. It's also good for those outside of the church. So why don't we pray and uh, we will dig into this together. God, thank you for your church. Jesus, thank you for creating it. Thank you for establishing it and sustaining it. Jesus, thank you for the work of your church, local church after local church after local church throughout the globe that is on mission for you. Thank you for the work being done around the world because of your church. Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, see that there are so many compelling reasons to truly be the church together, a local church committed to you and to one another. Lord, I pray that we would be convinced because your word says so um, and be convinced for many good reasons. Lord, I pray you guide our time. Give us wisdom, ears to hear, I ask. Amen. It really is for the good of biblical faithfulness to belong to a local church. If you uh, leave the sanctuary after the service, you'll see, uh, oh, I assume you will, but uh, you'll uh, see on posters, you'll see on our website, we have our values written around the building. We have a number of values here. They're not just in written form and that's what we say and give assent to. We tr- they truly are values of ours here at Central, and one of those values is biblical faithfulness. We desire to be people of the book, to carry on that tradition that says, what does the Bible say? Show me. I need to know because I want to be faithful to it. I want to be a faithful follower of Jesus, so show it to me. Well, we want to look at biblical faithfulness. It truly is a value of ours, and it truly is exists when it comes to belonging to a local church in the scriptures. We have to do a little bit of work, though. See, the reality is that the gospel's initial advance into a religiously diverse pagan and pre-Christian world was a different situation than we find today in our increasingly post-Christian society. The complexities of life 2,000 years later make church belonging as difficult and as important as ever. But culturally, not only are we less inclined to make firm commitments, it's one of the challenges we have today, but our cities and our towns are much bigger, and church options are much more diverse. So these are unique challenges to us that did not exist during the time of the writing of these letters. So we need to take those into account, and yet continue to desire to be biblically faithful. Well, look, much of the New Testament, almost 40% of the New Testament is made up of epistles. That word epistle means letter or message, and the apostles wrote epistles to local churches. The book of Romans wasn't written to Romans generally. It was written to the church in Rome. First and Second Corinthians was written to the church Paul planted in Corinth. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2. It says, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all of those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. This is a letter written to a church in a particular place for their particular good, and it continues to serve the rest of us well since. Galatians was written to the church in Galatia. It says in in the introduction, Galatians 1, verse 2, to the churches of Galatia, Ephesians was written to the church in Ephesus. Philippians was written to the church in Philippi, where its introduction says to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Philippians is written to a church in Philippi that that know who they are, that have set among them overseers, those to lead, lead them sacrificially, godly leadership, and deacons to go about deacon role of really great, like ministry among them that they're called to. So there are in this particular in this particular place committed people who have overseers over them and deacons um, fueling ministry around them. Colossians is written to the church in Colossae. First and second Thessalonians were written to the church in Thessalonica where at the beginning of both of those letters he says to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ grace to you and peace. Then he goes on, uh, different letters, first and second Timothy and Titus. These are called pastoral epistles. They're written to Timothy and Titus. But they're not just written to them as individuals. They're pastoral letters because they're for the purpose of godly church leadership. They're written to leaders in those places on how they are to what? Lovingly govern and lead and teach the churches in their care. Look at what Titus 1, four says. Paul says to Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Savior. This is why I left you in Crete, he writes, so that you might put what remained into order. What's that? And appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Paul would love to have um, Titus with him, but there's work for Titus to do in the region of Crete. You know what it is? In every local church, for those local churches to have elders established among them, godly leaders. Philemon is written to him and the church that met in his house in Corinth. See, because of political status of Christians, um, they, they had no buildings and dedicated, uh, dedicated to church services, but Philemon was a wealthy man and he had a large home. And so the church there could meet in his home. So, um, a letter is written to Philemon and the church that meet in his home, James first and second Peter, first and second, third, John, and Jude were letters not addressed to one particular church but to the churches dispersed throughout the Roman Empire. These general letters would have been passed along from local church to local church. We see that the New Testament assumes that all Christians belong to a local church in fact we've separated what um really, in our day and age, something that was always interwoven. See, when somebody would come to faith, we talked about this in our baptism services about belonging with Jesus in baptism, is that what would happen typically was someone would give their life to Jesus. We see this over and over again in Acts and other places. Someone would give their life to Jesus and they would be baptized because it was an initiation into the faith. Well, you know what else would follow that up was they would also become a part of the church. In one fell swoop, someone would give their life to Jesus, go and be baptized and be a part of the local church in that place. But for, in some instances, we've separated that by decades. We give our life to Jesus here. We don't feel good enough for a long time or we don't want to be in a tank in front of our church or whatever reason that you know, we have floating around. They say, oh, I can't get baptized yet. And what usu- has always been an initiation into the faith, we hold off for a long period of time. So then we eventually we get baptized. But even when we get to that step, we often say, oh, you know what, I'm not sure about this church business. I don't want to become a part of this church at the same time. I just want to be baptized. And so then we separate that. So faith, years later, baptism, years later sometimes, actually becoming, belonging to a local church. We've separated them so much. What has always been in one fell swoop what it's looked like to give your life to Jesus. The New Testament assumes that all Christians belong to a local church, even missionaries who left one place to go to another. So people like the Apostle Paul, he wasn't just an on-his-own Christian. He was sent out by the Jerusalem church. In another context, he's sent out by the church in Antioch. Look at Acts chapter 13, where we see um, a church sending out Um, missionaries. Acts 13 verse 2 While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting the Holy Spirit said set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Pick it up in chapter 14, verse 26, when they've returned from that, from there they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. This is the same practice that we hold from among us here at Central. People from within have been called out to become missionaries and go off to Asia and we support them and we also commission them and we send them off. So off they go to Asia. We've sent off, commissioned, sent out missionaries to Africa. We've sent out and support missionaries locally. We do this. And then you know what we also do? is we do what we had happened this morning with Jim Gates, is we want to hear a report, what's God doing in the, in the mission that we're called to and the people that we're sending out from among us into these amazing ministries. We get reports back from these missionaries that we have sent. We're doing precisely the work of Acts 13 and 14, which is to have missionaries sent out from among us that we commission, that we support, that we send, and we bring them back, and us, the church, gather together, same group of people, commit and hear back a report of all that God has done. Jesus is so committed to the church that we see in Ephesians chapter 5 how husbands are to love their wives. Husbands are to love their wives, what's the model, what's the picture? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. See, Jesus is committed to the church. He gave his life on the cross for the church. Jesus established the local church and all the apostles did their ministry through the local church, the Christian life in the New Testament is church life. And Christians today should expect and desire the same. Cyprian, a church father from the third century, put it this way. Cyprian tells it straight. He said, Who forsakes the church of Christ cannot attain to the rewards of Christ. He's a stranger, he's profane, he's an enemy. He can no longer have God for his father who has not the church for his mother. The church in the New Testament was always local church. Local church after local church after local church, the Christians gathered and knew who they were. In the early church, third century, no one was apart from the church and considered themselves a Christian. It was always church life. Belonging to a local church is thoroughly biblical. So we come to our, our cultural moment and we recognize this consumer culture which um, wants to receive and not give and we're going to talk a little bit about that. And so what happens is we think, oh, you know what, actually belonging to a local church and, and, and really being firm about that, that's, that, that really rubs people the wrong way today. So we, we, stop, to use, we stop using the language of Cyprian And say, do you know your father? Because you don't seem to know the mother. It's strong language, but it's consistent with the New Testament, that belonging to a local church is thoroughly biblical. Second, it's for the good of others in the church. Let's get more practical. Let's get more personal. Look, by becoming a ministry partner, you accept responsibility for a group of fellow believers. When we ask a question like "Can I just attend?" Why do I need to belong? What that is doing is it isn't accepting responsibility for a group of, fol- um, of fellow believers. To accept responsibility is, is 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 not to bristle at when when something is being asked of you to be firm on. So when we want to loosen it and say "Can I just attend?" Look, what we're doing is not accepting responsibility for a group of fellow believers, but to belong to a local church is for the good of others in the church. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. It says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Picture that with me. A group of people, this is what we're commanded in Hebrews chapter 10, a group of people committed and not neglecting meeting together. In Acts chapter 2, we get a picture of that. Day by day, they would meet in the temple courts, kind of large gathering. That's where the crowd would go. And then they would also meet in homes during the week. So there was this large gathering, small gathering, meeting together regularly. This is what they would do. But some were starting not to meet together. They were neglecting meeting together regularly. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, do not neglect meeting together. Continue Regular, routine, consistent, committed pattern of meeting together the church, same people meeting together, but picture also with me that you 're not just checking that off a box like you 're not just saying i 'm going to walk through the building doors i 'm actually going to meet together i 'm not going to neglect meeting with other Christians, the people I've chosen to walk with i 'm not going to neglect that, and you come in to the church building on a Sunday, you come into life group on a Wednesday or whatever. And as you go in, you're not just neglect, not neglecting to meet together, but you're saying, I'm, gonna, I'm coming in figuring out how I stir up others towards love and good works. I'm going to come into this setting as I, as I gather with the body and find who it is that I can encourage this morning. I'm going to go in and encourage person after person. That's, that's part of this command here. Don't stop meeting together. Don't start, stop gathering. Continue to meet with your fellow believers that you're doing life with and encourage them, stir them up towards faith and life and commitment to Jesus. See, part of what ministry partnership is formally saying, I'm committed to encouraging a particular group of people week in and week out. When we aren't committed to each other as Christians, and we we are church shopping and hopping, look, to be honest, we can't find depth. There's a place and there's a time for that, but we can't have depth if that becomes our consistent pattern. But when we are committed to each other and lovingly push through difficulty, depth exists. When we don't agree with how the church is functioning over here, I would do it differently over here, or I, I like this over here, but they're not doing it that way. But when we lovingly have conversations, are committed to each other, work through differences um, work as a community, a loving body, committed to unity, when we walk through that depth exists and depth grows, commitment grows, and the world needs to see and experience this kind of deep community. One of the reasons it's for our the good of others to belong to a local church is this. Um, we all, we will all, if not already, go through hard things. Um, many of us uh, have not... Um, had many challenges in our lives, perhaps we haven 't had Jim Gates come into our hospital room <laughs> right we haven 't been there yet. Life has been good, life has been so good that we actually feel a little bit invincible life is 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 look we live in the the we live in the time we live in the place where life has never been so good in terms of needs met as us right now. We live better than most kings in history lived. <laughs> We live better than anybody. And so if things don't go horribly wrong in your life, you feel like all is well. There's no need of other people. There's no need of real community. Sometimes we feel that way, but we're wrong. In some ways, I'm speaking to the choir, those who have gone through hard things, They know you know how important it is to have support. I want to read to you an excerpt from Um, An article I read recently, a man who works for CBS Sports, he's a writer for CBS Sports, but him and his wife lost a stillborn child that was delivered, I think, at about 38 weeks. And they wrote about not walking it alone, they wrote about walking through it with their church family. I want to just read you some excerpts from it. Our friends, family, and church were spectacularly gracious in the days that followed. It's impossible for me to stress that enough. They were unbelievable. The weight was not ours alone to shoulder, which made tasting the unfolding nightmare at least palatable. John Piper once wrote that he loves the ready tears of strong men. I now have some old t-shirts that would agree with him. My friends came and held me and we wept. Their wives came and held my wife too. It was a spectacular outpouring of God's grace in giving us deep and enduring friendships. These friends with whom we had built up a thousand or three thousand common days bore a part of our burden. I'm not sure how we would have moved forward without them and without their prayer. The Lord sustained us throughout. We certainly did not sustain ourselves. He goes on, filling out paperwork in the doctor's office that Felt like the SAT, taking the SAT, a long walk with a great friend around the medical center, weeping with our pastors. Stillborn births are not necessarily unique. That doesn't dull the sting or erase the pain, but it at least reminds you many parents have walked this path. There is a couple from our church whose son Thomas died in a similar fashion in the exact same hospital room just one week before they had literally walked the path we walked and they walked it well we took great hope in such great faithfulness picking up a casket for your baby my gosh we chose four white roses representing each member of our family to lay around Kate's casket for the memorial. We picked a burial plot. That destroyed me. She would be buried next to Thomas. She shared a delivery room with him. Now she shares a resting place with him. Jen, his husband, uh, his wife, found great joy in knowing that. I spoke with our pastor a few hours before carrying my child's casket from the hearse to the grave. He stared me in the eyes and told me that as her father, I wouldn't regret putting her casket in the ground. Eventually, I lowered my six-pound child six feet in the ground. Putting a baby in the ground changes you. I don't know how it couldn't. We went back to the church and I found one of those strong men I mentioned earlier. He held me again and told me things would never be the same for any of us. And he's right. On our way home from the memorial and burial, Jen told me she felt like she'd never worshipped like she did at Kate's memorial. She'd never had this much on the table. In our 30 plus years on earth, we have almost exclusively known great gifts in a rich life. I said this at the memorial, but we have had a good life. We have tremendous friends. Enjoy our work and delight in our children. For a lot of us, myself included, Christianity has come easy. There's been no suffering. There's been no pain. There have been few questions. There's been no reason to not trust God and to not call ourselves Christians. And now there is. My friend Nathan said that until that week, loving the Lord amidst sorrows this deep was only a theory for many of us. Putting a baby in the ground makes it real, and not just for us. Our friends mourned deeply with us, which was as rich a reminder as I've ever had of God's purpose in ordaining a deep community. This couple had a church family that they were committed to and who were committed to them so that when the storm hit, they shared in their suffering and it held them together and actually made what they went through, all of them, deeply worshipful in their own words. Look, some of the richest moments of my life have come through walking with church family members in their pain and suffering and I thank you for that. Here's the problem. We live in a time that is, in a place that's being dubbed as the age of authenticity or expressive individualism. And what that means, age of authenticity or expressive individual, individualism means is you have to be yourself. What I desire and feel inside I must do, I must be true to myself. The thing that matters most is me being authentic. Therefore, if I'm feeling something, I must do it, or I'm being inauthentic, and nothing is as bad as that. Can I just tell you why that's stupid? Because being true to ourselves rarely leads to self-sacrifice. It almost exclusively leads to self-centeredness. But I have to be true to me. So I don't want to go to this church anymore. I want to stay home and just watch the Seahawks even though I have a PVR. I don't want to go anymore because they changed it from 9.30 to 9. There's still the 10.45, but meh. I don't want to and why? I can't be inauthentic to myself because that's what matters most. No, it's not. No, it isn't. What matters most is giving your life to Jesus and a people committed to Jesus and walking with them no matter what. (sighs) Ministry partnership flies in the face of expressive individualism. It's an antidote to our society. It swims against the current of consumer Christianity that only thinks of self. Ministry partnership speaks of sacrificial commitments to others. Ministry partnership establishes a commitment where we can be counted on to be reliable in caring for others. And we can't have allegiance with others saying, I'm in this with you. Without committing to the same thing. I met a couple recently. They're very interesting. We spent a lot of time together. Really enjoy them. It was really interesting though. I had a couple conversations with them. I had a conversation with the guy and I had a conversation with the girl. The conversation with the guy went like this. He's like, yeah, I love her. I love her, but I do not believe in marriage. I've seen marriages blow up like crazy. I don't believe in marriage. I love her though. I'm committed to her. And then I had a conversation with her and she's like, yeah, I love him. I want to spend my life with him. I'm committed to him. But he won't get married. So how do I know? She wanted the assurance that he was committed to her. And for her, marriage meant that he was. He would put his life on the line. He would sign his name. He would take vows. And then she knew that they were talking about the same thing. But look, ministry partnership doesn't say, I love this body of believers, and I don't need to become a ministry partner to prove it. It says, I love this body of believers. Enough to mutually commit with them. I love them. I'm in. Living the Christian life in community is more than just casual associations. That's expressive individualism talking. It's committing to each other, to be there for each other when life is hard, when suffering comes, and to walk with each other week in and week out to encourage one another to be there consistently and to invest in others and point them to Jesus. Your belonging to a local church is for the good of others in the church. All that I've just said also applies to point number three. It's for your own good that that kind of an environment, that you're committed to it and others are committed to it as well. A famous psychiatrist... Tells of an experience he had with one particular patient. This p- patient came to him sometimes and was just feeling really down, wasn't severely depressed and didn't have mental illness, was, was just someone who was really down, um, was kind of just melancholy, just oh, everything was heavy. Just, and, and, and he said, Give me a, a, a prescription. But the, the, the psychiatrist knew this individual well, and in this instance, thought he knew what it what this person needed. And instead of giving him a prescription because he was feeling, ah, he said, go cross the tracks to the other side side of town. Find someone who needs help and help them. See, what he had figured out was this was a person that was just always looking in, always looking at self, always the universe centered around them. But when things weren't going that great, ah, I just, ugh. Find someone who needs help. Help them. It was precisely what this individual needed see there is a sense of belonging being stirred up and encouraged in the faith that goes both ways see the people who care for you best are those who are willing to commit galatians 6 puts it this way brothers really saying church in galatia if anyone is caught in any transgression you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted, and bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. There's this sort of accountability that happens with close walking, that we can encourage each other, that we can correct, that we can bear burdens, that we can um, help those caught in sin. See, you yourself become accountable to mature brothers and sisters in Christ when you give yourself to belonging to a local body of Christ. It produces spiritual growth. See, the New Testament places a major emphasis on the need for Christians to be accountable to each other for spiritual growth. You can't be accountable when you're not committed to a local church. This is is where only having a couple of friends in your world as your accountability falls flat because the, you, you, usually you pick friends that are a lot like you and hold exactly the same values. And so when you want them to let you off the hook, they also want you to let them off the hook, and that's not the greatest accountability to be exclusively that. But when you give yourself to a local body of believers and you're committed to them and there are more mature brothers and more mature sisters and the group is rounded and you, can, you have each other's blind spots covered, that's just really healthy for your faith for your growth for your accountability J.I. Packer one of the great 20th century theologians put it this way summarizing really what he reads in the New Testament you can't live the real Christian life except as part of the church look at the risk of getting too personal um, this is my story a few years ago um, I just was not in a position to be a leader in the church Some of my actions and some of where I was at was really disqualified myself from leadership and that was necessary for me to take a step back. But by God's grace, my belief in the local church, uh, people's um, investment into me that had been formed through local church commitment, I think really saved me. Um, I experienced in that season strong, loving accountability. The kind that wouldn't let me off the hook easy, which was often infuriating. The kind that took hard work, tears, and prayer. And I'll be honest with you, if I was a Lone Ranger Christian not committed and believing that the local church and my belonging mattered, I fear that I would have left a long time ago. but I am so profoundly grateful to God for wise, discerning, godly leaders in the church and the gift of accountability. Belonging to a local church is for your good. Fourthly, and with exactly two minutes left in our service, awesome. It's for the good of your leaders. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, starts says in verse 3, shepherd the flock of God that's among you, exercising Oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Now there's some there's some words here that get used in the New Testament a lot. Overseer um, is an interchangeable word with shepherd, elder, pastor. These show up in the New Testament a lot, but they're interchangeable words. And they're words for leaders in a particular local church. The church is to set up overseer, shepherd, elder, pastor in local churches. And this word flock is obviously for a flock of sheep, but anytime flock is used in the New Testament, it's regarding a local congregation of believers. So, overseers in a particular church, shepherd the flock of God that's among you. Um, a while back, uh, I was at a friend's house. They have sheep, and the sheep got out of the pen. And when we got there, the sheep were out of the pen, and they were going to go look for them, but they weren't my sheep. And if any of you knew me, know me, I'm not about to get sheep and that's not, I have office hands, like I type, that's what I do. So so, uh, so off, off he goes to find his sheep Well, he takes the pickup truck, looking for his sheep, and there's lots of sheep I- where they live around, but he's not looking for any sheep, <laughs> he's looking for the sheep that are his. And when he found his sheep, he picked up his sheep, not the neighbor's sheep, his sheep, put them in the back of the truck, his sheep, took the truck back, put them back in the pen, back to safety. He had he, he knew the sheep that were his and he brought them back to safety. It, his job to tend for his sheep. In Acts, we see that the apostles set up elders in every church and those elders were to shepherd the flock that they were overseers of, their flock, the sheep that were in their care. So let me ask you a quick question, practical question. How do I know, how does your lead team know, how do your pastors know who the flock is? Is it... The Christians in the Fraser Valley, am I to shepherd that flock? Is it anybody in Chilliwack or Agassiz? Is that the the flock that I am to shepherd? Is it anybody who's come to Central one time, twice? If we've done an introduction, shaking hands, is that the flock that I am to tend and the, the leaders among us are to tend Look, we just have to be practical here. You know who it is that we are to care for the needs of. It's the flock of God among us. How do we know who it is? It's the ministry partners of our church that say, I'm in my church, it's my family. This isn't just where I go. This is the community of believers I walk with. So we know who the ministry partners are among us, and it is our job. We will be accountable to the flock of God that we have been commissioned to be overseers of among us. Just really practically speaking, ministry partnership helps us do that. It helps your leaders be more faithful shepherds, and your belonging to a local church is for the good of your leaders. We thank you for making it clear. Lastly, for for the good of those outside of the church, making a commitment makes a powerful statement in a low-commitment culture. Look, most sports leagues, correction, most sports beer leagues... (laughs) require more of you than a lot of churches. Costco memberships require more of you than a lot of churches. Your cell provider requires more of you than most churches. Can I just say that's not right? There's nothing more important on the planet than Jesus. Amen? And there's nothing more healthy for you in your walk with Jesus than committing to a people who also love Jesus that you're saying, I'm going to walk this Christian life with. Amen? So, why do we treat it with such skepticism and say, bah, I love Costco. Bell's, Bell's doing better on some of this stuff than Rogers. We, 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 we buy three year contracts year after year at Costco, right? Beer league, some of you, right? <laughs> but we think the church is asking too much. No. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8 says, This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. How might the wisdom of God be made known? How might a bright light come to everyone? Through the church. Where God wants to show his power and brilliance and light is in and through his church. Do you know how we show Christ best to the world around us? As a committed, healthy, stable community that is not so like our culture that we flake. That even when life is going really well for us, we recognize that we're a part of a community where life is not going so well for some of us and we're ready to rally. We're ready to be that shirt for our brother or our sister in Christ to cry on. We should not be a people unfamiliar with suffering because we should be constantly walking it with one another. And as that light shines of a people so different than our age, it will compel. It will shine. And through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known. Your belonging to a local church is for the good of others outside of the church. Seeing what the community of God looks like and it being a compelling thing. Lastly, so quickly, really quick practical conclusions. Look, if you are looking for a church, here's my, here's my word to you. Find one and commit long term. Look, at Central, we don't claim to be the church for everyone. We're not trying to twist your arm that it be here. Our desire is that you find a church that both can serve you, can teach you, and that you can serve in and give yourself to. If that's us, praise God. If it's the church down the road, praise God. My my encouragement to you, if you are looking for a church, is to find one and commit long-term for all the reasons we just unpacked this morning. Likewise, if you have been attending Central for a while, Make it official. For all the reasons we've talked about this morning, we would love to see you become a ministry partner here and give yourself fully to this local expression of Christ's church. Loving and being loved, serving and being served with all the responsibilities and blessings that come with it. We'd love that. Lastly, if you are a ministry partner, I urge you, continue in the beautiful unity of, and missional focus that comes as we submit to one another and to Christ. Continue to grow in what it means to partner in the ministry of this local church. The reasons are biblical, culturally compelling, practically helpful, and beneficial for yourself and for others. May God continue to use us as a church to love God, love one another, and serve the world. Um, Look, as you go, I'm just going to send you off. (laughs) As you go, we have uh, ministry partner baptism forms at the Welcome Center. Um, it, there, you can also fill them out online. We'd love for you to pick those up. They have been flying in uh, this month. Something really cool about that is that it's going to make February 7th really fun when we baptize a lot of people and we add a lot of ministry partners here. We'd love that for you to be you as well. So use those tools, please. Let me pray for us, and I'll send you on your way. God, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you so much for. Uh, Your word. Lord, I am learning as I study this so much about how I can truly give myself to my local church. Um, God, thank you for Christ, Jesus, and the fact that this is his church. He is the head. We worship you, Jesus. We submit to you, Lord. And we want to be a faithful people committed on mission together for what you have for us. So we pray you'd continue to teach us all where we are. Help us see you clearly. Help us see it in the scriptures. Help us work it out in community. And God, I pray that you would help us impact Chilliwack, Agassiz, and the world for your son Jesus. I pray it in his name. Amen.